Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He laser clickers. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today is an exciting day. We get to discuss Mandalorian Chapter 14 episode, I don't know of this season, titled <laughs> The Tragedy. <laughs> and I don't know who died. I mean, I do know who died, but like that... Before we get into anything, just having the tragedy pop up as the name of the episode, I'm just like, no, oh, that's not a good sign. <laughs> yeah, you always uh, know. Not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of bracing yourselves. About, yeah. Before we can talk about the tragedy, which when you say it like that, it also starts to sound like it's a reference to a specific event, which I guess it is. Yep. But it's like, oh man, Tom, the the I don't even know. I was in, like the tragedy of twenty twenty eighteen. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, the tragedy I, I, I get, of the Mandalorian. Yeah, I, I get what you're going with with this, but yeah, it it's funny because it it leads you one way. But in the end, it takes you another way with it. That's how I look at it. Yes, indeed. But William, do you want to tell us about all the cool things that are not Mandalorian related? Actually, one of them is Mandalorian related. Two of them are Mandalorian related. But we actually have like some interesting news to so, talk about. So only just one or two cool things that are are are, are different. No, uh, no, you know, th- there's a lot of uh, cool stuff happening. So first of all, on January 5th, the High Republic kicks off with the first three books in the series uh the high republic light of the jedi by charles sewell uh high republic a test of courage by justina ireland and the high republic into the dark by claudia gray for different age age ranges and you know this is that that brand new era in star wars that is uh gonna go like in the old old days of uh you know long even before the old republic it's the high republic uh really cool to see it's a brand new era in star wars storytelling um, I'm pretty excited. I've always liked the older public era. I'm curious to see how they go even further back. And um, anyway, but the they just announced that that's coming just a month a month from today as we're recording this uh, January 5th. But uh, they just announced the second novel in uh, the second big novel uh, uh, in the High Republic is coming out on July 6th, and it will be uh, called The Rising Storm, written by Kevin Scott. And um, apparently, um, it, it's not a direct sequel uh, to um, to the books coming out on the uh, January fifth, but it's part of the same the same era, and it ties in a lot to um, Charles Sewell's novel. Um, according to the the official description, the Rising Storm sees the Nihil taking the reins of terror to the next level, building on their appearances in the Light of the Jedi and beyond, standing in the way. In their way in this time are newly elevated Jedi Council members Stellan Gios, along with Padawan Bell Zedifar, and an intriguing new character, the Saber for Hire, Ty York, uh, who um, Kevin Scott says he's had a blast creating. And um, apparently uh, Ty York will have a really interesting uh, backstory. He's Force-sensitive with a mysterious past. So that sounds pretty interesting. Uh, looking forward to reading and reviewing that. Um also in book news this week the art of the mandalorian came out and i highly recommend picking it up i um been reading over the last uh, uh week and a half or so week two weeks and uh it's 
it's if you love the mandalorian it is highly recommended it has so much beautiful artwork from the series and um even just the the descriptions of like how everything came about like they talk about you know as they've done with the films right they talk about how the the series came to be um the the fun tidbits in the making of the series um one of my the interesting ones is just how like dave filoni got to be uh more involved in the you know in the director's chair and how like he was he was telling kathleen kennedy he wanted to be uh, he wanted to do more live action and so she sent him to uh to observe uh, on the set of rogue one and then actually while they were filming the last jedi um ryan johnson uh, basically put the camera in Dave Filoni's hands and started like personally training Dave Filoni uh, about how to shoot live action. Um, and it was really, uh, according to um, uh, Sozak, the author, it was saying it was kind of the, one of the biggest um, uh, trainings in live action Dave Filoni had, especially prior to starting work on the, on the series and actually getting a chance to direct. So all that's really cool stuff to see and just kind of how Dave Filoni has been getting the on the you know hands-on training uh, with with directing live action and as we've seen like this season he's done a fantastic job this season last season uh, and I can't wait to see what else he gets to do and you know they just talk about fun tidbits around like how they hey they made this series some of the thought process behind the different designs you know the uh, the order they go shoot the episodes in like they shot the first and third episode and then also the the last two all at once you know some kind of um uh, obvious stuff there and Dave Filoni's episodes are actually I think the first and the last ones to be to be shot so some some little fun fun tidbits there so anyway highly recommend checking out The Art of the Mandalorian it's incredible and I've always loved these books and I really hope I'm so glad they're doing one for The Mandalorian and I hope they do it for uh for season two as well so um yeah let's see one other one other note before we dive into our review and this should be a fun review um there was a a great interview uh with uh with dave filoni and rosario dawson about last week's episode uh that anthony bresnikin did our, our our friend of the show anthony bresnikin over at vanity fair and there's one quote in particular i wanted to call out because we were talking, it follows up nicely on, on what we had discussed last week. I don't know if you remember, guys, we were talking about the Rebels epilogue and how this is, you know, the Rebels epilogue happened a year after uh, Return of the Jedi. And, of course, Mandalorian is five years after Rajay, so there's like a four-year delay. Remember that? how we were talking about that? We kind of sort of. Yeah, well, it turns out um, Dave Filoni is now hinting uh, that... Uh, that that actually may be after the Mandalorian of that scene where we see Ahsoka mm. team up with Sabine and go in search of Ezra. That may be actually after the Mandalorian. Um, he's, he, Dave Filoni says, you know, um, that's not necessarily chronological. I think the thing most people will not understand is that when they want to go in a linear fashion, but as I learned as a kid, nothing in Star Wars really works in linear fashion. You do episodes four, five, six, and then one, two, three. So in the vein of that history, when you look at the epilogue of Rebels, you don't really know how much time has passed. So it's possible that the story I'm telling in The Mandalorian actually takes place prior to that. Possible. I'm saying it's possible. So not confirmed. Honestly, to me, it sounds like there may be some retconning going on. That's that's my 
Uh, that's my own personal theory. You know, we see a young Jason sitting next to Hera in, um, in the ghost and, right. you know, he, he looks pretty young and just based on the time between, uh, the end of rebels and, uh, that, that epilogue that happens after, um, uh, af- clearly after has to happen after Return of the Jedi because the Empire has fallen. That's at least a three-year gap, right? Because there's, you know, uh, a year and then two years between between movies. Um, so that's at least a, or sorry, it's two and then one. So but it's, it's a three-year gap uh, at, at, the, at the minimum. And then, so he, and he does look about three or four. Uh, so the, you know, a year after Return of the Jedi would make sense for that, that time period. Um, mm-hmm. But it's possible that the next scene or a couple scenes later in that epilogue is actually from after the Mandalorian years later. And we just don't know at the time. It all looks like it's one time period, but it may be split across multiple time periods uh, to allow Dave Filoni to tell more of a of a story in whatever series they decide to do the uh, the Ahsoka and uh, Sabine show going after Thrawn and, and Ezra. So that's going to be coming pretty soon, right? Some kind of explanation or story that's going to be put right in that time frame, Dave? Hmm? Excuse me? Hmm? I hope so. I hope it there are there they are definitely laying the groundwork for this. I think it's a retcon personally of the timeline, but it totally makes mm. sense. So really It's so vague. It works. Yeah. William, you know there's something there about like William, you can't complain about a retcon. I was born in the retcon and in the fires of legends. <laughs> exactly, exactly. When, no, I'm. <laughs> and to be clear, I'm not complaining at all. I think it totally oh, makes God. sense. It's actually pretty smart of of Dave, but it was interesting clarification for sure. Um, so, not not all is as we had assumed. It's not necessarily the year after Return of the Jedi they had originally would, stated. Would you say that Dave has altered the deal, and we should pray he doesn't alter it any further? <laughs> one one might say that <laughs> i would say so you know who else was in that scene though along with lando hmm let me see boba fett somebody in... somebody that happens to be in this episode yes sorry yes who? wait william what character are you talking about boba fett boba, boba fett. fett oh i just boba fett was only in there for like two minutes of screen time so i just didn't remember the character at all sorry <sighs> I, I was oh. gonna ask you. i mean if he was important he would have been in more right Probably. Well, he is getting his due finally. Um, it's uh, I, I'm so, so excited to talk about this episode. Tom, take it away. Well, in this episode, we're going to be reviewing the Mandalorian chapter 14 called The Tragedy, directed by Robert Rodriguez and written by John Favreau. In this episode, we find the Mandalorian and child travel to an ancient site, which we knew they were going to because they were put on the path to go to the planet Tython. Okay. Right off the bat, I have to ask you guys, this, this episode went way faster than I had. The plot progressed in so much faster than I'd ever expected. I I thought they were going to go off on some other planet. It would take them an episode, you know, to get to Tython and the last two episodes would be set on Tython and, you know, they'd probably have to traverse their way up to the, the seeing stone. Now it would take a while. And then, you know, someone would show up either at the end of next week's episode or, or at the end of the season finale. And that would be it. Right. Um, no, that was about the first, uh, two minutes, a couple seconds of the, yeah. of the episode. Um, and even, even when they get to Tython and the Mandalorian's like, Oh no, I, uh, you know, I can't land on the top of the, of the mountain. I'm going to have to set down, 
you know, a, a little ways away. And then I was like, okay, well, it's going to be the whole episode then, like getting up the mountain. And literally the next scene, he's like, he's landing on the, on the top of the, on the top of the mountain. It was progressing so much faster than I ever thought. Uh, and I did love the comment about, you know, flying with the, the windows down right. as well. And But also take a look at the episode itself. It was, I believe it was supposed to be like a 33, almost a 35 minute episode, but take account of the credits the episode felt like, and it moved really quick. It was only, I would guess, somewhere just over twenty-five minute minutes long, and it moved mm-hmm. quick. Yeah, it was the second I mean, shortest episode of the series by yeah. only oh, wow. one minute. Like it, yeah. it, it's t- it's very close to being tied for shortest episode of the series, but it it moved. It it really really moved. It moved, and the best thing about it was the story just kept a really good pace through it. I mean, first off, you gotta love when they're in the razor claw and they're kind of kind of playing, let's say catch where you had the Mandalorian with the little ball sitting there with Grogu saying Grogu almost got dog. He's like, like, huh? And then they're like, come on, you want this little ball? You do it. You do it. And it's almost like, you know, he grabbed me. He's like, yes, you know, like a proud father with a son, (laughs) you know, but then he comes to the realization that he can't train him. He's got to take him somewhere so he can be trained by a Jedi. I did really love because it, you, Tom, you mentioned it was like a dog, but it, it felt so much of like, oh, like, Tom, you finally know your name. Tom, oh, yeah. you looked at me. Tom, oh, you looked yeah. at me again. Especially with it with a head cock to it, the side and the little little noises yep, that went along with great. it. great. Yeah. And it plays nicely off the interaction from last last week, too. I mean, I, I, th- I thought that was, I enjoyed seeing it, you know, where he'd say Grogu's name, you know. And then having the Mandalorian realize it and almost be playful with him, right? And, and just like yeah. say his name, wanting the reaction uh, was, was really cool. And then, like you said, the, the, the father-son moment of like playing catch and even trying to train him in the Force, even though he has no Mandalorian has no Force abilities. Uh, it, it's it's a really nice moment between the two mm-hmm. characters, and I, I really I really appreciated it. And very yeah. lighthearted in there. The, the other part I really liked was after they set down the um, Razor Crest and he mentioned that he's going to have to do it with windows down when they were flying and he was holding the child. You could just imagine the child just like, wee exactly. as he's flying, you know, to the, the rocks. Yep. I, I loved it. I loved it. Let's let we should, I think we should talk about Tython for a minute, you know, cause yeah, this is a planet. It, it, it first appeared in Drew Carpition's Darth Bane role of two. Um, mm-hmm. And I, 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 yeah, fun fact, I actually helped design Drew Carpition's website way back in the day uh, wow. on the on EU Cantina. I remember that. Uh, yeah, now, now I look back and go, oh my gosh, that was so terrible. But, you know, when I was much younger, we thought it was, was really cool. Um, I don't know how he ever let us do it. Um, <laughs> sorry, Drew. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it's really cool. I mean, Stephen, your thoughts on seeing Tython in live action for the first time my first thought is i i just i really appreciated that it i also want to say it didn't feel quite as stereotypically star wars as i think i'm used to at this point mm-hmm. um and i think it's particularly like star wars plants them to be either super overgrown kashik <laughs> and or yeah. or incredibly inhospitable uh aka like tatooine hoth um and it was kind of nice to see a plant on a and I'm, I'm from California, so it's just a little bit like, yeah, it looks like California. It's exactly yeah. like California, it, yeah. <laughs> I, I hate to say it, this. I know exactly where that spot is where they filmed it. 
It is probably about a good half hour away from my house. And and this is not Vasquez Rocks that people normally see in the other star, you know, space franchise. No, this is as you go out to Simi Valley, you go right through that area. So I know exactly where it's at. Oh, I spotted awesome. it instantly. Tom, when I Tom, saw you, have you sat on the seeing stone? Who will sadly, be your teacher? No, sadly, sadly, <laughs> no. I mean, I could probably spot it from the freeway, but I know exactly that but, landscape. Yeah. I, so it was a little bit different than what we've seen, I think, in particularly like this, the Old Republic MMO. Um, it's much more forested there, but I, nothing in where we saw the planet today makes me feel like, or not today, but obviously like in the episode, feels like mm. those two couldn't. I dropped my phone. Uh, nothing <laughs> makes me feel like those two couldn't coexist, uh, which I appreciate. Right. Right. I yeah. thought it was a good looking planet. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason like, I think it was a lot. I appreciate it. It was still kind of hilly. You know, it still had the, the foliage, but I liked, as you said, that it was not as not, not quite the big trees, you know? And I think in the older public, they do a good job of making it feel different, but still, uh, I, I liked this look. In, in fact, I would argue it's almost the most Western planet we've seen mm-hmm. yet yeah. in Star Wars, yeah. even more so than the the just the desert. Like this is like classic John Wayne riding through the you know uh, the um, the West style. Right. Yeah, and I liked it. I and, really liked it. And for me, since you brought that up, William, it kind of fit when the story kept going. It fit the style of Rod, uh, Robert Rodriguez's filming mm-hmm. because. It just it just worked. That landscape, his directing, and the acting in it worked for that environment. So, yeah. what else has Robert Rodriguez done? The name I don't remember him he, showing up in Mandalorian previously. At least he did. I know him from the Spy Kid movies. I believe oh, he's fascinating. Yeah, I, I'm okay. Before people sit there and say you might be wrong, I am going to go directly to IMDb no, no, you, and you make are, sure that is the case. You are correct. Yeah, he did. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he did. He did Spy Kids. He's he's worked on a number of other movies too. Um, uh, uh, looks like you know Sin City, Planet Terror. Um, he he's worked on yeah, again a lot of a lot of Spy Kids, um, Rebel Without a Cause, um, Matador, a lot of like westerns, action um, uh, stuff. But he has a just- style. Yeah, I was just super impressed with his work this episode. Yeah. In in so many ways, I thought it was just fantastic. I think I know why this, and I've never seen his movie, but I do know this is his style. It's El Mariachi mm. that he did in 92. I think it's that kind of style that he is very, very famous for. Um, along with all the other stuff that he's done. Like I said, I've, I've known him from Spy Kids. But even though I'm like I said, never seen the movie, but it's kind of his, and especially Planet Terror, and you see that style show up, especially when the stormtroopers get into that big, you know, gun battle between you know Phoenix Shan and we'll say it now here Boba Fett. You'll see that style of Rodriguez pop out at that point. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I thought he did a phenomenal job, mm-hmm. and like the the action in particular was very um i thought it was some of the coolest action we've seen it was very oh, yeah. much like I, I you you could see the action but it had it had a lot of weight and energy to it um and and, and like excitement it kind of like you're the on the edge of your seat you know mm-hmm. the whole time it was 
it was just really well, really well done. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I thought it was perfectly paired with the, the more of the Western feel of, of Tython. And the fact that you're dealing with, you know, multiple, uh, you know, expert bounty hunters, you know, not, not unlike a, a cowboy you'd find in the, in, in a Western. And so I think it worked mm-hmm. on many, many, many levels. And I really hope they bring him back to do yeah. another, episode series movie whatever like i think he's he's probably up there with deborah chow uh yep. as some of the 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 best um new star wars directors not new directors but new star wars directors um uh, uh and i've just been super impressed mm-hmm. so what did you guys think of when the mandalorian finally put the child on the seeing stone it was. I kind of appreciated it actually because I we weren't sure what to expect out of the seeing stone, and I appreciated a little bit of the like, well, not like child sit on stone. Well, that they're like a button to push. I like it. <laughs> it felt very realistic to me, and the like. Right. We're talking about, especially as the Mandalorian is not someone who is familiar with the Force in any way. He doesn't like how. What would you like, Tom? You're going to go to the top of the cliffside. Mm-hmm. There, you will receive a vision from the seeing stone. Like what? You get there, like, am I? What are you supposed to do? Yeah, it it felt very relatable in that way mm-hmm. to me. And, and I thought, I thought the thing that was for me, I thought was interesting, and I thought it was kind of funny, was the little butterflies that kind of popped up. I'm like, okay, he's going to sit there, turn his back, and all of a sudden, these little butterflies are going to be around him because all of a sudden, it's just they're drawn to him because of the force. I did not really expect to see this big force field come up and him sitting there, you know, legs crossed in in a meditative position. Yeah, like so. What do you think was going on there? Because it's hard to tell. Like, was was Grogu communicating with someone? Was he more like meditating? Like, what? Somehow he activated. I think he activated it. I don't think he's creating. It. I think it's the stone. He right. activated this blue field of some sort that like shoots into the air. Uh, a really cool set design, by the way. I loved the yeah. uh, uh, the, the the like the rocks and everything there. Um, like the, the the henge of, of rocks. Yeah, what what do you think the child was doing? Like, cause not the minute like, it, it was even repelling any like anyone who tried to reach through the this this field. He was. I, go ahead, Stephen. Go, go ahead. I'm I'm assuming he was searching or putting out a call for someone to come and teach him. Right. And it seemed like that force field kind of. Um, accentuated and 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 amplified mm-hmm. his force ability to put the signal out there yeah but that's the question now since it's a signal that's now been amplified is he going to get a jedi but here's the other thing could he be getting let's say a dark side user maybe there could be an inquisitor laying around somewhere that could feel it i mean that's an interesting I, question going forward yeah there's a bunch of questions i get out of this because like we also, as Ahsoka mentioned, like Grogu gets to make a choice of whether he wants to be a Jedi as well. True. Um, and we know, like, we know he's looking for potentially looking for a teacher. He's also, I suspect, like you know, the Force giving visions of the past or the future. Um, I could see that being part of this as well as he's making this decision on whether or not to, uh, you know, be continue on this journey or not. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I it, it'll be super interesting to see if he does continue the journey, and, and also just who who is going to show up. Like, there's so many yeah. people that could show up. You know, is it going to be someone we know from the films or from another TV series or the books? Or uh, I, I suspect it's going to be a character we know. I, I do think it's going to be a character we know. Um, but well, I, well, okay. Are you saying a character that we know from the expanded universe books? I don't know. Or... I think it's going to be a character we know. I don't. I'm, I don't know if it's going to be any. What if it's going to be anything, anything more than that? Like I. I don't know if it's going to be from a. The you I mean, I've seen some people throwing out like Kyle Katarn, or is it gonna right. be a you know someone from one of the games like you know Cal uh, Kestis or Seer, or is it gonna be uh, you know like someone like Ezra? We know it's not gonna be Ahsoka. Uh, mm. It's gonna be Luke, right? There, there's a there's a whole range of people, but I think it's gonna be a name we recognize. That's my theory. you know what I they're building it up to too much for who it's gonna be. Yeah, to be some I, rando I, person, you know, like I would go ahead finish. No, I, I just don't think it's gonna be like here's Jedi Bob, you know, like right. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out he was here the whole time. Um, I'll make my um, maybe it's not controversial, but like I don't think we find out who that person is this season. Ooh, I I'd agree with and that. I, I think if we if they were going to do that, I think we would have seen rumors of it at this point already mm. through casting, particularly mm. like every other casting thing has gotten not not necessarily leaked because leaked isn't fair, but like has been under discussion. Um, and I think we would have gotten a hint of it, especially mm-hmm. if it was a well-known character. Like, I don't know. Uh, I was going to say Darth Vader. That doesn't make sense. Luke Skywalker yeah. or something along those lines. Yeah. Like, I, I think it would have shown up already. I, I'm I'm going to throw one out there because the character I would love to see. I'd, I'd love to see from the expanded universe. They pull in corn horn. Yeah, the Carillion Jedi. I would, I would love, love to see that. I'd be okay. With I, that. I just, I, I just remember the book I Jedi. That was such a great book. And this is where, like, I think what's really cool about the Mandalorian is, in in the past, we were always like, no, nah, they they never bring in someone from the TV series or from <laughs> the. We always hoped that would be the case, or you know, just like we always hoped they'd bring back Boba Fett. Um, but we always knew deep down like they, they, they won't. They never will. Mm-hmm. And the Mandalorian is proving, especially this season, anything's possible. Like yep. anything is possible. Uh and so I don't I, yeah, we'll see. I I, I have to I, I part of me wonders if maybe we'll I think we'll see this mysterious Jedi in some form. I don't know if it'll be Maybe we won't see their face. Maybe we'll just see like their their feet, you know, a la the end of the gunslinger with, you know, Boba Fett approaching, mm-hmm. you know, um, I don't know. I don't know what exactly we'll get, but I think we'll get some payoff, mm-hmm. I think. Because like well, they have it, to have a big cliffhanger. What's the big cliffhanger? You know, last time was the Darksaber. I think this time is the, 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 the Jedi contact. I could be wrong. Mm. Um, it was interesting well, when to me. It com- uh-huh. I was going to say, when it comes to payoff, what did you guys think of finally seeing a ship that we are very well familiar with, Slave One, appear? Oh, it's just beautiful. And I like so we. One of the things I talked about last week, of, as far as not, not as huge a fan of, is like some of the effects, practical effects around Ahsoka felt a little bit lacking to me. Uh, but whatever tech they are using for. Uh, like spaceships and those types of digital effects, they are nailing it. 
the weight of it, the visuals of it, that Mm -hmm. from the slave one to the Imperial Mm -hmm. cruiser at the end, like they're all amazing. And they all make me so very happy because they do such a good job with it. Mm -hmm. Well, even just the shot, right? Like Din Djarin is, is kind of focused on Grogu and he's kind of just like waiting for something to happen. And, and all of a sudden you just see, you know, overhead and it just like slave one appears. Yeah. And it's just like that mic drop of like, oh yeah, Boba Fett's here. You know, it's, it's like yep. so cool. Yep. They couldn't, it was like the, even the way it was shot, everything was just so perfect. And you knew it's happening. It's time. Boba's here. Yeah. I don't know why he waited until now to confront the Not Mandalorian. Important. I did, I, but I don't care. care. Not important. Actually, sorry, I take that back. There's oh, one really? thing that is I think is important. Okay, go and ahead. This is this is my one. Uh, I was gonna call it a complaint, but it's actually not really a complaint as much as I wish they just provided an answer to this. I'm still very curious why. Like Bofet is he, he's here to retake his armor, right? And he mentions that he knows he got that the Mandalorian got it from. This is gonna get really confusing as we talk about Boba Fett and the Mandalorian. By the way, I should say Boba, Boba and Din. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just keep going. I don't like calling him. Follow Din, along. But, just know, keep yeah. going. But we, why did Boba Fett never take the armor from Cobb Banth? Mm-hmm. My initial assumption after the first episode, when we get the te- got the tease of Boba Fett, was oh, he didn't get it because there, he wasn't able to like take on Cobb Vanth with Vanth in the armor and mm-hmm. Boba without it. Right. Um, that is a much harder pill to swallow after this episode and watching. Uh, Boba Fett's ability, shall we say? Yeah, but but also understand that he had backup from Finnick Shan, because that was the one thing that surprised but me in this well, episode. Not, yeah, in this episode. But okay, he would have so, had it. Okay. He would have had it for Cobb Vanth as well. Hypothetically, right? if Cobb Vanth was wearing the armor, though, maybe he didn't want to risk damaging the armor versus. Yeah, uh, in this case, point. Mando. Uh, I don't know. Is he's not wearing the armor, and he knew that. You know, Din Djarin already has a set of armor he he likes way better than Boba's armor, and so maybe he knew, oh, this this guy has a kid, I can make a deal, mm-hmm. and so he maybe he went into this knowing he can make a deal, mm-hmm. and uh and and wouldn't have to risk damaging the armor in the process. That's the only thing I think of. Mm-hmm. Now, why he didn't commit, uh, you know, um, why he didn't uh, uh track down Din Djarin on Tatooine, why he waited for Din Djarin to, to leave Tatooine and then, you know, go to a random ice planet and then, you know, <laughs> go, 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 you know, to like three or four other planets and, and then go back to Navarro and then head off to Tython. And now he's like, Oh, Hey, Din Djarin, I'm here. You know, I, I okay, don't know. Well, and, and like how, ah, there's so many questions, but. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump back to, he didn't have Phoenix Shan with him. And that was another thing. Didn't it? What didn't it surprise you that when you see both Boba Fett and Finnick Shan together, and even you know Din Djarin's like, "Well, wait a minute," and she sits here and she goes, "I I give him my life," and she pulled that pulled the thing across her stomach, and you see a cybernetic. That was cool. Yeah. Not sure how it works, but it's really cool. Not important. It looks cool. I, I loved her in this episode. Like. It, Oh man, like Ming Na Wen did an amazing job as Finnick Shand. She was great last season. I think she was even better this season. I'm glad she survived Toro Calican's shot and, and that Boba Fett saved her. 
because this is this is cool. This was she was she was awesome, and as was Boba Fett. As was Boba Fett. One of the things I really appreciated, and it's not just this episode. It, it, is, it seems to be implying that it'll we'll get it more in the next episode as well. Um, I just I found the cast of characters of this episode to be so much more uh, enticing and interesting to watch mm-hmm. than any other like side characters we've seen thus far. Um, and it like, as an example, I, and I'm blank. I cannot remember the name of uh, Grief Karga, and I'm blanking Cardoon. on her name. Cara Cara Dune, Dune. thank yeah. you. Yeah. They're both fine. Uh but I am so much happier that we seem to have the Boba Fett, Mandalorian, Fennec Sean <laughs> team up cuz it's just it just felt so much more compelling and interesting throughout. Well, it was great chemistry between the two characters, especially when they got into the gunfight and they were working together and especially when Fennec Sean was working with Din Djarin, it's yes. it, it's a good chemistry between them. Yeah. And that's what you can grab onto. Yeah. I, I will say, I do love Cara Dune and Grief Karga as well. And Quill and IG-11. I think those, plus like Fennec and, you know, Boba are like s- some of the best supporting characters um, in, in the show by far. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm really glad to see most of them who are at least still alive teaming up now. Right. Um, so it's, they're such great characters. Speaking of though, I, we haven't really talked much about Boba Fett. So let's, let's, Let's talk about the man himself. He, Boba's so back. Cool. He's a little different. Uh, he looks different. Well, uh, if, but yeah. If you were stuck in the middle of a Sarlacc pit, we don't know how long. And personally, he lived. How he got out, if that's in a comic, if that's in a book, great, fine, dandy. In this episode, he lived. It looks like he's just a tad damaged, but he's a man on a mission. He wants his Beskar armor back. Yeah. I, I I made a little joke about it at the beginning, but like, I think this is the longest screen time we've had at Boba Fett and the, certainly the most characterization we've had at Boba Fett outside of the expanded universe. I, I totally like, agree with you. Yeah, definitely older Boba Fett. And because yeah. I mean, we saw a lot of young Boba Fett in the Clone Wars. Okay, sure. Um, yes. But, 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 but older Boba Fett, like, like grown, full-grown bounty hunter Boba mm-hmm. Fett. Yes, one hundred and ten percent. This is the most Boba Fett we've we've ever seen. And yeah, I you know you mentioned that like Tom, he's a he's a more weathered character. I really appreciated that. Like even after he gets his armor, Boba Fett doesn't like transform into like a carbon copy of who we see in Episode Five. Right. It it kind of reminds me of like when we see Rex uh, in animated form in Rebels. Like what? Like you can tell this is. This is an older character who is, mm-hmm. you know, donning the armor of their youth, if you will. And it's, right. I really appreciated that it, that stayed true throughout. Boba Fett never feels younger or uh, different than he actually is, but he, right. you don't, you also don't doubt that he is a very capable person. But Watching he, him work with the, uh, whatever you want to call it, the name, the stick, the gaffy stick, uh, gaffy stick. Ga- yeah. Thank you. The, I'm not on my game today. Gaffy uh, sticks, panther tracks. <laughs> uh, is just fantastic. And w- particularly watching the dis- the multitude of destruction of uh, armor, mm-hmm. stormtrooper armor is just brutal and oh, so right. satisfying. Right. And, and, I think t- and two things here. I think what made Boba Fett grounded in this episode was you basically hear him recite classic lines that kept him grounded or basically a classic line from Django Fett. I'm just a simple man making my way through the galaxy. 
like my father before me. And also, I love the thing about my allegiance no one, even though there was a question about, is he a Mandalorian? Okay. Which he was able to prove because the armor is basically coded to him. And you do get to see that, yes, you see the lineage of that armor that goes tra- straight to Boba Fett. I love this because it, it ties into what we saw earlier this season with um, with Cobb Vanth and then again with Bo-Katan, right? Yeah. Where Cobb Vanth is, he's not a Mandalorian, he's just a dude uh, who was wearing Beskar and, and uh, Din Djarin didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Bo-Katan is a Mandalorian, a true Mandalorian. She's not... Uh, she's not a child of the watch, but she is a true Mandalorian and and deserves her armor, according to the the Mandalorian culture. Boba Fett, this is, I thought was a big a big episode in that it settled a, one of the long a long standing uh, debate among Star Wars fans, in that this confirms both Jango and Boba Fett are Mandalorians. Yep. They were they were foundlings. They were adopted by the Mandalorians, uh, but they were Mandalorians, and it's really cool how you know they don't say that at first, right? And and when Boba meets uh, Mando, he says, yep. you know, Boba is like he's very he's not giving a lot of information, and you know, Din Djarin's like, hey, are you know, are you a Mandalorian? He's like. He kind of says no in some ways. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, I haven't, I haven't taken the creed. I, I haven't pledged my allegiance. Um, and at first, Din Djarin's like, well, then you can't. There's no way you're getting this armor, dude. Like, it's only for true Mandalorians. And we find out later, no, no, no. This armor's been in my family for a long time. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I, it's my father's. He was a foundling. I therefore I am a Mandalorian as well. And it's really mm-hmm. cool to see Din Djarin like meet a, a different type of Mandalorian. It's in, mm-hmm. in, 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 uh, in yet another type even. Yeah, another type. Yeah. And and I, I am gonna go to because I'm I'm the guy who likes the Mandalorian story and backstory because my my handle is Calscarada. I would point you to Wikipedia because in the um thing for Calscarada it explains even Calscarada was a quote unquote, let's say, foundling. So and I will also point you to the books that were written by Karen Travis mm-hmm. that also explains basically in my opinion, this part of the Mandalorian history, not the Bo-Katan part, but it's the Mandalorian history of how a Mandalorian or a person like Boba Fett or like Tinjarin who are foundlings that came into the Mandalorian society that and that they are Mandalorians, but they're a different part of it. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, was also speak- from the expanded universe. Speaking of history, one of the other things I really appreciated is, Tom, you mentioned that Boba Fett shows that the armor is coded to him and it has his father's name and it has his name yep. in it. Um, and for those of you who haven't read it, there's a, a fantastic comic, uh, graphic novel, I guess, called, um, I think it's called uh, Seasons. Open Seasons. Which yeah. is, is sorry, William? Jango Fett Open Seasons. Yes. Yeah. And it, it's fantastic and tells kind of the backstory of Jango Fett and explains uh, you know, his history and walks through part of a war between the Mandalorian and the Jedi um, also includes and kind of retcon some of the things we've seen before, like Boba Fett having being this guy named Jaster Mareel, um, mm-hmm. which was some of the original canon around Boba Fett before his identity was revealed in episode two. Um, and we find out that Jaster Mareel is kind of the Mandalorian who trained Jango Fett. And so it's super cool to see uh, a guy, what is it, Mentor Jass, I believe, show up 
in the coding for this armor. Yeah. And it's one of those things where mm-hmm. it's, it's not a guarantee that they're talking about Jaster Muriel, but there's no way it's not, right? Right. You see, yeah, you see Mentor, right. mentor J-A-S-T-E. Like, he's got the guy be talking on Jaster Muriel. They mentioned Conquer Dawn in the chain code. And this is, you know, it's in Star Wars uh, language, but if you, if you, if you decode it, uh, you know, it, it, it tells you all this stuff. And it's just so cool to see them paying uh, homage to this and, and, and referencing it. You know, they even talk about how Django fought in the Mandalorian civil wars that we saw in open seasons. Yeah. It's so cool. And it, this also explains why prime minister Almec in the clone wars was calling Django a pretender and not a true Mandalorian because he was a foundling. Yeah. Um, it's just, ah, uh, it's, it's amazing. The, the whole <laughs> dynamic between Boba and Din Djarin. And this is I, what I'm really appreciating about this series is it's taking a lot of the backstory of Star Wars and making it real and, and giving it something other than just letting it sit. And you can tell they're doing their research on all this mm-hmm. and they're using everything they can to tell great stories. Yeah. And, I, I've given the show some flack before about overdoing it with fan service in some ways or making it too obvious. Um, this episode is like pure fan service and mm-hmm. I, I'm i sorry, but I just I ate the entire thing up. It was just <laughs> fantastic. You're right. Well, and, and yet, like talking with a number, uh, many, many people have been watching this show who aren't big Star Wars fans. I've seen a lot of excitement from even them about about this episode and how great mm-hmm. it was. And I think a lot of people know Boba Fett. And so even if they don't know the intricacies um uh you know there there's definitely some excitement there and even if you don't know boba fett it, it you know that he's a, a you can you can tell just from watching the episode he's a he's pretty impressive and and going to be a big help to the mandalorian mm-hmm. yeah yeah now i do actually i have one other complaint here which is after the mandalorian boba fett and fennec sean have come to come to terms the mandalorian takes off his jetpack and kind of sets it down and is part of truce which I get. Um, I was really frustrated that even as the Imperial troop transports appear, he never picks it up. And there, it means there are so many times throughout the episode where I'm like, if you just picked up your jetpack, <laughs> everything would have been fine. It would have been the fine. Jetpack. But then again, the episode would have been over. You wouldn't have gotten this really great fight scene, gun battle going on, and the stormtroopers basically getting <sighs> their heads bashed in by a gaffy stick. And I mean, th- this is where this is where to me. And and just looking at the Robert Rodriguez style when it comes to fight scenes and and some of the stuff that he does, this is where his style of directing really showed is right here. Yeah, yeah. This this entire sequence was just some of the probably the most well shot action on mm-hmm. the Mandalorian to date. You know, just like. Yeah, you know, so obviously the Mandalorian runs up the hill to try to rescue the child because he doesn't have the jetpack. Takes him forever. Uh, never set down the jetpack, um, and then has to run back down the hill uh, and, and basically hold off the stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. And um, and the action is just incredible. From yeah. you know the the like Boba Fett like knocking stormtroopers with his gaffy stick, as 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 you guys mentioned earlier. I just love when he like taps the 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 commander on the shoulder with the gaffy stick and then whoosh, whacks him um, mm-hmm. to like Fennec Shand like jumping off hills and like shooting that, stormtroopers as she falls. Oh. 
that was cool when she jumped off the hill and she had that pose that she was shooting mm-hmm. and then land and basically doesn't really land where you think she would, but lands in a spin and comes up firing. That was beautifully shot and totally perfectly executed. Absolutely. It's, yeah. It's I like we could literally, I think, go through the entire battle sequence multiple times and oh, like, pick up every, it just, every part was cool. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's there's one thing I have to call this out, but there there is the new trooper we finally saw we saw in this episode, a mortar trooper. Well, I didn't have any problem with it. But if my son was on, he would he had a total problem with this. Cause he's like, it's only one trooper. I'm like, son, realize this. They gave you a new trooper. Think about celebration in two years. You're gonna now be seeing an actual mortar troop mortar battalion because they're all going to be traveling together it, it was so I, this, I liked the mortar trooper person i had no problem with i it. thought he it was, was cool should have been a couple and more it, you know it led two. to that cool sequence where the mortar hits the rock and like fennec shand yeah. rolls the rock down the hill and it's just like taken oh, out oh and and that that to me again that was like a, a pure robert rodriguez shot to where it just seemed like over the top the the stormtrooper is still behind the the web blaster, not moving, and just gets bowled over. Yeah, a little bit of Indiana he, Jones, certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I the, the funny thing was, you you had this feeling that here's this guy with his boulder coming toward him. He thought, ah, oh, the web blaster is going to blow this rock apart by the time it gets to me. I'm just going to keep shooting directly at it, and it'll be in pieces by the time it gets to me. Little did he know, he got bowled over. <laughs> loved, I loved it, and I you know. And, and, and you know, I think we talked about a little bit earlier how Boba and Fennec basically get to go. I'm sorry, um, Din Djarin and, and Fennec Shand kind of go back to back, and we see a little bit of that reconciliation where he even says like, "Hey, I owe you one for last mm-hmm. season." Um, you know, once all this is over, and you know, they're they're take they're like surrounded, they're taking shots, and you could really get the sense of like the the Empire is closing in with all the stormtroopers. You know, there were the first ship and then the second one lands and and they're they're surrounded on all sides and that's when boba fett who had took a moment to go in and throw his armor over the top of his his ropes which i really i really liked how you know he starts with like the black the black garb the black robes with like tuscan Mm -hmm. raider uh weaponry and then he, uh, he dons his his classic armor on top of it and it's battered and you know, it's over his robes and he's, you know, he's not as fit as he used to be. And it doesn't fit quite right, but like it, it so he kind of no, looks it, a little it comical. Perfect. But it, it, it was, go ahead, Steven. Now just, I, I, we, I talked to, again, go back to listen to the review for the first episode of the season. We talked about like when Cobb Vanth shows up that moment, like, wow, that does not look right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the moment Boba Fett shows up, I'm just like, and now it fits right. Yeah, like, yep. <laughs> exactly. Like yeah. he's definitely bigger there's than he no was doubt. and older than he was. But it's still, even as like as funny as it looks in some ways, or, or it it still looks like it's his and it, he owns yeah. it. And, you know, it's and it's it's in his the rightful hands at this point. And and you definitely know it. He owned it because when he got in, that was when the total battle shifted. And he's like using his wrist rockets. He's using knee darts. I love the over the shoulder, no look uh, oh, yes. shot that he did. And then, you know, they're, they're sitting there, all the stormtroopers going back into the troop transport because they know that they're not going to beat him. So what does Boba Fett do? He sits there, he pulls down his little aiming, aiming, uh, 
target thingy over his eye and he shoots his rocket and he basically takes out both ships in one shot. It's, I, it's again, it's one of those things. It's pure fan service. Like, yeah, totally. The wrist rockets is like, oh, that was a classic Boba Fett thing. The knee darts, I think, is one of those things we never really saw, mm-hmm. but it, you saw in one of the, um, I don't want to call them practical guides. What were they called? The, like, the uh, right. cross sections. Yeah, there you go. Where it's like, oh, like, sure. The little, cer- like, tubes they put on Boba Fett's knees are rockets. Sure. We're never going to see that, but fine. I'll give it to you. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Robert Rogers is like, no, no, we're going to we're gonna show that. We are going to show Boba Fett use every tool in his arsenal and show why he's Boba Fett and why you should be scared of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. And even the little reference at the end, I was talking, we were talking about Westerns, how this episode had, had a Western feel. And, you know, Boba Fett takes out the... Uh, uh, the 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 two ships and you know I can't remember if it was Mando or Fennec was like nice shot and and Boba just says I was aiming for the other one you know it reminds me of like John John Wayne and like True Grit they're talking about you know uh, his lower lip what were you aiming for his upper lip <laughs> it's just it's great I, I loved all the little the little details and also like the little detail the this you know as they're the stormtroopers are retreating and like the one he jumps on on the ship like, as it's taking off like oh no wait for me you know he kind of jumps up it's yeah. just <laughs> everything about this was just so so perfect and, and honestly mm-hmm. i was thinking about it we've talked about in the past how episodes of the mandalorian really feel like video games right yep the levels of a video game whether it's you know the crate dragon from the older public and you get the pearl at the end uh to like oh here's this random side quest right this one was protect, you know, the uh, protect the hill. Like, okay, you've got a character who's going to go, I don't know, open a computer, hack into a safe, whatever it is, uh, uh, use the force to contact some Jedi on a seeing stone. Uh, and, and now you just got to defend and sorry, you're not leaving. Uh, this is, this is your mission for the next however many minutes, just survive. And that's yep. exactly what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they survived until a turbo blast shot comes out of nowhere and just takes out the razor crest, which that broke oh. my heart. This is the tragedy, right? That must like, be the tragedy. Oh. Because if you're talking about somebody not making it, that's the tragedy. Oh, it just, it hurts so much after all of the razor crest has gone through this season. Yeah. It's been taken apart multiple times. It's been repaired multiple times. And the moment that blast comes from the sky and the razor crest. It's not like it gets damaged. It's not a, Oh, we'll put it back together again. It is just gone. And it hurts so bad. It was completely decimated. Like I, I love the razor crest and I'm, I was so sad to see it destroyed. And honestly, like I think it's gone for good. I don't, I don't know what you guys think, but I I don't know if we're going to see razor crest again. If, I mean, it, they're not it, putting it back together. That's for sure. Maybe yeah, there's a Razor Crest two, but it's it's so it's gone for good. I mean, put it this way: if that little knobby handle that uh, uh, Groger plays with survived, and the Beskar spear survived, but nothing else of the Razor Crest survived, that thing is never being put back together again. It's basically Adams right now. Oh, it just it hurts so bad. Yeah. And the, the way they played the silver knob too, because you don't—he obviously doesn't go search the wreckage until much later in the episode. 
after Grogu is kidnapped. And so when he finds the little silver knob, it's just like an extra wrench in everything. Yeah. Like Grogu's kidnapped. The Razor Crest has been obliterated. Uh, and now he finds that little toy that Grogu loves so much. And it's just the extra mm-hmm. twist of the knife. Um, so, so getting into Grogu, we now see dark troopers actually in an episode that aren't just standing still inside some kind of, uh, you know, Imperial yes. cruiser. But here's my question. Why do you think he waited so long to, to bring the dark troopers out? Why don't you think Moff Gideon my, let them fight this battle first? My guess is he knew he didn't actually have to fight the battle in order to win. Mm-hmm. Okay, you, that makes sense. So the other funny part of this episode is the Mandalorian spends most of the episode, like, multiple times trying to get through to the child and failing. Right. Um, like, I think there's three, if not four, different variations of attempting to do that. Uh, and it's only after the Mandalorian jo- finally joins the fray that the Dark Troopers get sent in. And con- conveniently, the Mandalorian tries for the third time to get through the child, can't get through, goes to join the battle. Two seconds later, it appears the child comes out of his uh, reverie, if maybe the word, like whatever you want to describe yeah. it. And then the dark troopers arrive and take him. It's a little yeah, convenient, he fell but I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. And it's, they looked fantastic. I loved them. I mm-hmm. love seeing the dark troopers. We talked about them two weeks ago. Obviously, they're they're first appeared in Star Wars Dark Forces, the video game from I think nineteen ninety five, and they looked incredible. The, the Phase Three uh, uh, Dark Troopers they have jet boots, and I just love seeing them like fly down from orbit, surround the child, just pick them up, and just fly right back off. And oh, so good. Also, another reason why you should never set down your jetpack. Uh, yeah, exactly. Reason. Uh, I want to call out something else that they did here that I think is actually really important as well. One of the things the man, and the, I should say, this is not specific to the Mandalorian. It's just something that happens when you're doing television like this. Uh, but when you're telling episode of the week stories, tri- it is very common to introduce a villain at the beginning of the episode and the villain is dead or defeated by the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the previous episode with the, uh, why am I blinking? The magistrate is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. She comes across as threatening. We get enough to feel that way, but we never doubt how the story is going to end. Right. Especially when you think about the, like, yeah, of course, like Ahsoka V the magistrate, the magistrate is going to be the one who loses. Um, and I love that we got teased for the dark troopers previously, which is great. And then it's followed by this episode where we get to see the dark troopers exercise their abilities and succeed. And they, no one is able to stop them. Boba Fett isn't able to catch up with them. The Mandalorian isn't able to get there in time. They just succeed, which just does even more to set up the fight with them that is clearly coming. I don't know if it's next episode or you know the week after. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, just, I really appreciate that we didn't just see the Dark Troopers introduced and defeated in a single episode. It goes so much to make them feel like a real threat that will actually be a challenge to overcome. Yeah, mm-hmm. I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't yeah. agree more. You know, and and you know, I think it's. Uh, we really get to see more of Moff Gideon uh, later and how like he's also 
I, I've been set up as a pretty imposing uh, 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 villain, and we haven't gotten a ton of him this season. Not as much as I thought we might. He's still kind of been in the background, but he is. I'm I'm very interested to see what his end game is. Is it just bringing the child to Doctor Pershing so they can have him, you know, donate more of his midichlorians or or what? Because like he he was toying with Grogu, you know, with Dark Saber <laughs> in the cell. Did, yeah. Okay, to, to to bring that up, didn't you like the comment when he sat there and said, "I think he said something to the extent of you'd poke your eye out." Yeah, yes, basically. He did. Yeah. I thought so. I thought so. I I thought that was the funniest thing, but you you have to sit here and just the cruelty, or actually, okay, I will say this. The cruelty of him walking into the cell with with Grogu. And you see Grogu taking those two stormtroopers and just force throwing them repeatedly against walls as they're trying <laughs> to get to him. And and here you've got a stormtrooper behind uh, Moff Gideon getting ready to stun the child and Moff Gideon put his hands up like wait and the child just keeps force throwing and it's almost like I can't remember what Gideon said but it was almost like a taunting thing as he walked toward him but he knew that the child once he overexerts himself like this goes to sleep well I think there's I think that I, I did find it funny to see Grogu you know throwing these structures around but I think there's a there's two aspects of it you know one there's yeah Grogu's like th- throwing the the, the stormtroopers around and, and I think Gideon knew that yeah he does it a little too much he'll fall asleep he gets a little woozy you know and we can do whatever we want but the child was also kind of force choking the, yep. the stormtroopers it was kind I think of it's bizarre. I read that very much as it's an intentional nod to like the child is not uh, not a given for the light side. Mm-hmm. There is there is risk here. The very risk that you know uh, I was going to say so yeah Ahsoka was concerned about. Yeah, exactly, exactly, uh, and like that. I almost got the sense that Gideon was trying to let the child he wanted it to to encourage the use of his anger and he's like yeah, yeah throw my people around because like you know you'll use your, you'll 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 use a little more of your anger and maybe i can turn you that's the impression i get yeah no i, I agree with that it'll be very interesting to see what happens to to grogu does he turn um I, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we will, we'll see. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, a lot going on. Um, going back to to Boba though, uh, he he made a really interesting comment, which I thought was telling for someone who's presumably been on Tatooine nonstop the last few years, and that's like his reaction to Gideon's like Imperial cruiser in the, in the sky. He, he almost seemed surprised that the empire is back. Like he didn't know they were still around. Yeah. He did say they're back. And it was funny because he did make a thing that this, he wasn't on a spice stream. He was actually seeing an Imperial cruiser in front of him. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. There's kind of an odd, uh, you know, I, I think it was interesting. Mm. There was an interesting comment just where he says like, 
or or was it Fennec? The, the Outer Rim is not in the jurisdiction of the New Republic, which I'm pretty sure Tython is in the deep core and it even shows as much ah, on the Razorcrest computer. I thought in the Razorcrest computer you actually saw it in the Outer Rim. Really? I also thought it was in the deep core, but now okay. now I'm thinking I need to go maybe, maybe they moved the location seen. of the planet uh, or something. Um, but uh, but I don't know. It's a slightly odd comment, but maybe maybe they've they've changed the the location of it. Um, either way though, I, I loved how kind of playing into the Clone Wars where Hondo Anaka was trying to teach Boba, uh, how to act honorably, you know, cause that's what Jango would have wanted. Um, we see that Boba decides, yeah, our, our job isn't done. We promised the deal was I get my armor you get safety for yourself and Grogu and Grogu is not safe. And Mando tries to let him off the hook, but, um, but Bo was like, no, he was kidnapped and we're going to stay with you until Grogu is rescued. And right. That sounds so cool. Like we are setting up it's, such a great team. This is the dream team. Literally. Yeah. Like I, like I said, I, don't know, I could, I don't want to say I could care less about the other characters, but like if this was our team going forward for like, as even if I, Give it season three, even I would be so happy. Yeah, just fantastic. It's it's so cool, and and the fact they're not just uh, and they're gonna be flying around Slave One at least. If you can't have the Razor Crest, well, like heck yeah, Slave One. I would uh, imagine they're gonna have to. They've got like you said, th- there's nothing else for them to fly around on. Right, right, and and they're recruiting not just you know, Fennec and, and, uh, Boba, but they're also bringing in Cardoon, uh, newly minted new Republic Marshal and Mixed okay, Mayfield. No, but but yeah. before you get to the next character, do you think he's actually going to bring her in? Because she was given a Marshal's badge, but he, you were going to lead on to, he was going to be bringing in Mayfield. For sure. She's, she's yeah. joined. When she found out Grogu has been kidnapped, that that was the the turning point. I don't know why he just didn't say it right off the bat, to be honest, or why she didn't ask. Like, where's Grogu? That's a good point. But that's a good point. You know, uh, I, I, while I really liked seeing the confirmation that that badge we saw Captain Carson Tiva give Kara two episodes ago mm-hmm. was indeed a, a it wasn't just like a, a medal. It was a actually a badge, uh, and she's now an official New Republic Marshal, and she's trying to be more honorable and like I can't break people out of prison anymore and stuff. Um. You know, as soon as she heard Grogu's in danger, I think she's going to do everything in her power to get him back. Uh, I, I wish Grief Karga was in in the mix as well, but I also get that he's he's less of a fighter in some ways. He can fight, um, but he, he's I, he's more of I, a, I, the leader than the soldier. Tom, I could I could see him look at the child again and say, "Hey, hey, do do that hand thingy again." <laughs> yeah, do the magic hand thing. <laughs> I, I, I could see him do that again if he were to be uh, part of this crew. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I I will say I was surprised when we went to Navarro because I don't think we've ever had a Mandalorian episode. Ah, I take that back. Some of the first couple episodes did have the Mandalorian actually change planets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it felt super weird to be the first time because like, no, no, we Mandalorian does one planet mm-hmm. per episode. That that is the rule. That's how it happens. <laughs> uh, and it felt very weird to not do that, but yeah. I, I thought it worked really well. I, I, mm-hmm. and we're, I just, we're setting up an end game for the season. That just seems fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of the return of Miggs Mayfeld? The, the bounty hunter who, uh, who we saw in 
or, or the mercenary, not really Ben Hanna, the mercenary who uh, kind of betrayed Mando in the, 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 the Quinn prison break in last season's The Prisoner. He's back, I guess, or, or will be back. They're going to try to break I, him out of prison. Out of the other characters within that crew, I found him more interesting than, than the other, let's say, part of the crew. So it's going to be interesting to see how he's going to play into this. If is he going to play along until he can uh, betray the Mandalorian, or is he just going to play along and just go with it? I mean, he's he can't be happy, right? Mm-hmm. Like Mando, Mando got him thrown in prison, and he's got a fifty-year sentence in the Carthon Chop Fields for for, or for Mando's betrayal. Well, I mean, technically, they kind of betrayed him. Din Djarin, yeah. but. Still, mm-hmm. he can't be happy. We shall see. Once, once we get this, once we get Mayfield in the next episode or the episode after that, we shall see. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, super, super interesting stuff. Um, we also got a, a bunch of previews of other um, people who are in prison at Kara Dune swipes through um some some nice references i think if you translate the arabish nothing super shocking you know you get references to like wabani penitentiary we see in in rogue one and sunspot prison uh as well from uh rebels and stuff um you know some cool stuff there for sure Mm -hmm. um nothing galaxy shattering but it's nice that cara dune's able to use her resources to to help find Mayfeld. So my guess next episode is all about, all about breaking out Mayfeld. And yeah. Yeah. The one after that is about rescuing Grogu. What do you guys think? So are we two episodes, two episodes left. left. Oh yeah. Yeah. Last episode is going to be the breaking out of Grogu. And then it's either going to be a cliffhanger or it's going to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, Whew, I'm excited. There's there's a lot going on in this in this episode, and they're really setting up a, a fantastic season finale. Yeah, I'm I'm ready. Yep, so am I. With that, Tom, do you want to give your your review of the episode? Your oh, absolutely. Thoughts? Um, I am definitely giving this episode a nine point five. I I absolutely love this episode. I loved. The return of Boba Fett, I loved watching him fight, and I definitely just love seeing him be Boba Fett and be a bad A, um, trying to keep the, the podcast with a clean rating. So um, I, I just, this was a really good episode. I think Robert Rodriguez did a good job directing the episode because, like I said, there's that one section where you got to see his directing style, and it showed that this was the perfect episode for him to direct. So... 9.5 i'm taking my 9.5 womp rats and well you see here's the, here's the thing when the two ships were trying to get away from boba fett it was 9.5 womp rats actually four womp rats in one ship nine uh, five, uh 5.5 in the other ship uh that were actually piloting those ships they didn't hit the burners fast enough and that's why they were able well that's why they were able to be destroyed by boba fett because the guys didn't pilot correctly and because they had the half a womp rat that couldn't really press the pedal to the metal. So. Cool. 
Yeah, that was... Anyway, Stephen, you're next. Ah, uh, you would make me next. Uh, yeah, I'm also going to give it a nine and a half. It was just about as perfect of an episode as I can possibly imagine for The Mandalorian, and I loved every minute of it. I I appreciated that not only do we get Boba Fett we and, like, an awesome Boba Fett who gets to do all the cool things that we always wanted to see him do, but we also get to see some real characterization for him, some real personality that I don't think we ever got out of him in any of the kind of sequel material. Um, so I absolutely loved it. Um, so my nine and a half Womp Rats, there's actually another Womp Rat that's there, and he really wanted them to get the true Mandalorian experience when they were watching it. So he gave them all blindfolds so they could experience it visually. So they're all kind of sitting on the couch next to each other, like nine and a half of them, uh, listening to the episode. And they hear... Uh, a sound coming, you know, out of the, the TV. And I don't quite know what's happening yet because, you know, the child is up on the rock, it seems. Um, and one of, and the 10th the Womp Rat says, look, it's Boba Fett. And they all said, wait, Boba Fett, where? And then they turn around <laughs> and hit Boba Fett into the Sarlacc. So that's my punny oh, response to what gosh. they were all doing. Oh, gosh. Uh, that's funny. Too good. Um, you know what? I, I'm going to make this... Uh, uh, same across the board, nine and a half. Um, I, I I loved this episode. This episode delivered. The action was just phenomenal. The um and, and like it was a short episode, but it was action packed, and it didn't feel short. Right, it felt like a a, a really good. It felt like a really good length. Um, I, I loved seeing Boba Fett. I loved the return of Fennec Shand. I'm very excited. They're all teaming up. Um. You know, I, I really appreciated how, uh, you know, again, playing off the everyone wants Mando's armor uh, in the last two seasons, you know, when, when Boba Fett says he wants his armor back, uh, Mando initially assumes he wants his own armor, the Beskar, uh, not not Boba's armor, uh, mm-hmm. which was a nice little moment. I just, I, I loved that. But, you know, I think this episode is just phenomenal. It, it, it progress the plot i think much faster than we would have all been uh trained to expect and uh you know i just i I never thought we'd actually see tamara morrison back on screen playing boba fett and finally giving fans the answer we've wanted for you know since since return of the jedi did boba fett survive we don't know how but turns out yes Boba Fett's back and he is a Mandalorian and I think that's that's what fans have wanted for a very very long time so I'm going to give this nine and a half Womp Rats and you know Boba Fett he has a lot of tools in his arsenal when we didn't see this episode uh was actually uh, uh his 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 army of nine and a half Womp Rats and they all have Mandalorian armor as well which you know doesn't quite fit uh perfectly so it's a little bulgy on on the uh, on the womp rats but you know when they're all standing there nine and a half womp rats plus um uh, plus 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 boba it's it's pretty pretty intimidating why nine and a half you ask well the the half a womp rat he just you know he he, he doesn't have um the 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 armored chest plate he just kind of has the armor on his legs and, and arms and that's about it so you know he's he's kind of missing his armor fascinating <laughs> one question before we wrap I I was wondering, do you guys think Din Djarin knows who Boba Fett is? Like, has he heard of Boba Fett? I doubt it. Doubt it. That's the impression I got too. But I know yep. Boba Fett is somewhat notorious throughout the galaxy. Um, 
So he must not, not notorious just... enough, it seems. <laughs> Especially if Din Djarin's in that little enclave of his specific Mandalorian, you know, Mandalorian society. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Either way, next week is going to be really, really exciting. And I cannot wait to see where this show takes us. It's been a thrilling second season. Uh, I think we've gotten to see a lot more than we ever thought we would see. I mean, there were rumors, obviously, but like the way they've done it has just been incredible. Bringing in characters from from the Clone Wars and from Rebels and from, you know, old video games and um, developing the plot in really crazy, cool ways, you know, that we, we did not in- anticipate uh, giving answers to questions we've dreamed of for, you know, for, for, for decades, um, you know, as, as many as, as many as 40 years almost um it's really cool to see and mm-hmm. this episode delivered and fired on all cylinders and i can't wait for next week so i think it will be interesting with the last two episodes who the directors are going to be i mean i'm pretty sure one of them is going to be john favreau but who's the other one that's like you have no idea because I mean, yeah he, uh, he did say he was th- directing an episode for the for the first time i think this season and who's the other one well, and, and but what about Taika Waititi? Because has he directed any of these episodes yet? I, I yeah, he has, I believe. Oh, he has. Okay, not this season. Yeah, um, that's that's what I mean. It's like is this season, did he direct it, or is he directing an episode? I'm trying to remember oh, okay. what they, who the announced, uh, who the announced two directors. Oh, okay. Were. Um, I, I must have missed that they made the announcement of the directors. Yeah. This. Let's see. So it was. I just found it here. Um, so Dave Filoni, Bryce Dallas Howard, and Rick Famuyiwa were all are all returning uh, for more episodes of Mandalorian season two. We did get Bryce Dallas Howard's episode. We got Dave Filoni's episode. We did not get Rick Famuyiwa's episode. Um, so that's one of the last two. So I'll possibly. bet he and John Favreau are the new one. Yeah, because because uh, as far as new directors go, Peyton Reed, Robert Rodriguez, Carl Weathers, and John Favreau. So my guess is um taika waititi is probably next week followed by uh john favreau for the um, uh, not taika waititi the other the other the other guy you'd mentioned um sorry rick famuyiwa sorry uh, i don't you know go. why yeah. i said taika waititi rick famuyiwa uh will be probably next week followed by okay. uh john favreau for the season finale that's my that's my guess I don't know what you guys think. Could be off base. We shall see. It kind of makes sense if it if it works out that way. That's my prediction. <laughs> we will see. Anyway, we will be back here next week with our review of Chapter 15. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, 
the Walt Disney Company or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.